This week's podcast brought to you by Lincoln Clink. <laughs> we just celebrated Thanksgiving last week, as everybody did, with your family, members of your family, and we did what we do every Thanksgiving. We draw names out of a mason jar, a mason jar that I call Jar Jar Thanks, to, uh, to get a secret Santa. We all exchange gifts on Christmas with a $25 cash limit on what you can spend on, on the gift. And as a result, every year with different relatives, we all exchange the same thing, $25 gift certificates to Dick's. To Dick's. Are we, are we toasting to Dick's? Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Welcome to another special edition of Ball and Chain After Dark. I'm your host, Alec Baldwin. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, but it feels like uh, it's late. I don't want to wake the kids. You might hear the basement fridge running in the background, but we're doing this at night because as we were about to record the podcast this afternoon, my cell phone rang. It was the school nurse saying that one of our kids was sick and we needed to come pick her up. And there went our recording window for the afternoon. So we're down here in the basement. Rebecca, I think she's here. She's beneath a down comforter. She has her hood up. She's freezing, she tells me. And uh, do we need to thaw you back before we, we do this? You know, I was thinking about it. I can remember various times, not a lot of times, but sometimes when I was in middle school and high school going to the school nurse, never once did my parents have to come pick me up. Like back in those days, did you just stay sick until you could ride the bus home? Or did we just not get as sick? But like, I don't, I don't ever think my parents came to middle school or high school to pick me up because I went down to the school nurses ill. I do remember being sick at the nurse's office and laying down on that little cot they had, but never did my parents come pick me up. Well, you forget that you didn't have instant access to your parents when you were a kid. If they weren't home, they were unavailable. They probably were at work. If they were at work in a classroom, they couldn't be reached immediately. Um, It took an emergency was an emergency. And... You just dealt with it. Like, you know, what would have happened if we just ignored the school nurse's call? You well, know, did nothing. She, you know, I guess she probably just would have laid around in the nurse's office until somehow we got her home. But I did that occasionally in high school. I had migraines for the only time in my life in high school, and I would go out of the nurse's office and lie down on a cot. That's and they, it. And yeah. they couldn't give you anything in those days. I remember sometimes being in the nurse's office and knowing that everything would be better if I could take a couple of aspirin or Advil or whatever, but they would not and probably could not give you any kind of medicine, even if it was the over, over the counter. But anyway, I was well, just, I was just thinking about that today. I'm a few years older than you. So when I was, when I was in high school, they would give us a, a shot of Jack Daniels and a, and a Paul Mall. Yeah, right. They probably could hand out cigarettes, just not uh, aspirin. This week is also the first week in Connecticut where girls can 
have basketball tryouts. Boys can't have basketball tryouts until next week, I think, because football playoffs are still going on. It's so late. Massachusetts was the same way when I was a kid. We didn't start basketball until after Thanksgiving. And so many states start um, so much sooner than this. But uh, but anyway, you know, talking to our daughter after her uh, first basketball practice, it brought me back to how sore you are. It doesn't matter if you're high school, although I think high school is the worst. You go high school, college, professional, that first couple of days of practice, no matter how much training you've done, what kind of shape you're in, your legs just hurt so bad. Often your post players in particular, your shoulder blades hurt so bad just from keeping your hands over your head, playing defense and, and doing drills and just the misery of being reintroduced to all those muscles that you forgot that you had in your legs and your groin and your butt. (laughs) Those are some distinct memories I have of the first week of basketball practice. And you mentioned last night seeing a video of a game you played your senior year of college and you played well. It was against Kansas, I think, in 95. Yeah. And you watched a few minutes of that and you texted me that this was a long time ago before it hurts to sneeze. I mean, it's it's just so it's so unfair. It's just uh, you know anybody who's our age understands just waking up sometimes you have a new injury. You didn't do anything. You just slept, but you've woken up, and all of a sudden this happened to me a couple of years ago. I woke up one morning and uh, and had to go to physical therapy for two months. I still have no idea what I did, but I did something to my back, and. Uh, and that's just the, the life of a middle-aged person. But um, I used to get out of bed, and my feet were were in intense pain. And uh, I learned like two years later that that would have been plantar fasciitis. Yes. But I, I didn't know what it was at the time, and it, and it kind of came and then went away also. But for a while, I was rolling my barefoot around on a tennis ball just to get out of bed. And, and your mother was the queen of this of being against this, which was old people talking about their pain, which right. is what we're doing now. Right. Uh, and your mom always said, don't ever let me be that person. And she never was. No, she never was. Even uh, even when cancer was ravaging her body, she would never talk about any discomfort she was in. Um, but back to... On the, the contrary, when cancer was ravaging her body, she would roll her eyes at people who talked about right. you know, their tennis elbow or their their sciatica and and those people are legion right of course and we've just joined those people i know i know but back to the the earned soreness of high school basketball tryouts my my strongest memory is when you just had to go to the bathroom and you'd start to like sit down and but your legs would give out the last couple of inches and you just fall down onto the toilet i was having this conversation with somebody the other day and he was saying well he could remember the the first couple days of practices whenever he would go down the stairs every step just hurt your quads so much um just you know and the soles of your feet as well yeah yeah well my, my shoes were always pretty broken in and i would play field hockey in the fall so my feet were just a tore up disaster so my feet were always fine they were happy to be out of wet cleats by the time basketball season came around but uh but yeah just that that first week of of misery and pain I look back on it now fondly because at least I was doing something to put myself in that state versus now when I just roll over wrong and I can wake up and have to find my way to a physical therapist but uh but anyway speaking of feet 
and basketball starting and, and fall sports ending, there was some overlap where our, our oldest daughter was playing sort of club recreational volleyball over the weekend before basketball practice started and she couldn't find her shoes other than her basketball shoes and I asked her why she couldn't just wear her basketball shoes to play volleyball. They are, after all, on the same court. Right. And she was teensplaining to me why uh, anybody knows that you can't wear your basketball shoes to play volleyball in. I never got a cogent logic behind why you can't but uh well to further the the absurdity of that her volleyball shoes are kobe's they are low top basketball sneakers so her her shoes that she wears for volleyball are just low top basketball sneakers anyway so um and yet that logic make it makes no sense they do make shoes that are labeled volleyball shoes yes they do what are they I think they're low-top basketball sneakers. I mean, if if anybody can tell me a difference between volleyball shoes and low-top basketball sneakers, other than volleyball shoes tend to be much uglier, um, I would ask you to please uh, to please let us know what the difference is in the two. Our daughter did say this morning that she was so sore from the first three-hour basketball practice that uh, it was it was uh, intensely painful to put on her shorts this morning. And when she finally got through that laborious process, she realized she had put them on backwards. And now she had to go through the same painful process in reverse and then do it all over again to put them on frontwards. Of course, because to get your legs through the short hole, you have to lift your legs. You have to bend. Like You have to use maybe four or five muscles, all of which are nice and achy after a day, the first day of basketball practice. And I told her I do that same thing every day, both (laughs) the backwards and the pain. Right. And I'm not practicing basketball. On a completely different topic, a buddy of mine texted me today his his million-dollar idea. And I won't say it because it's his million-dollar idea, and it should be his million dollars that he reaps from it. But I replied to him, that sounds like a great idea, but I have an even better idea, probably a billion-dollar idea, and I'm willing to share it publicly. It's uh, As long as I can say publicly it's mine, I claim it. Would you like to hear it? Sure, let's hear it. You're you're looking at me like, no, I don't want to hear it, but why not? <laughs> I want to hear your, your million-dollar idea. Three words. Sloppy Joe restaurants. Mm. Sounds like a great idea. Is this like a fast-food restaurant? Absolutely. Like a... So- but it could also be high-end because, needless to say, hamburger fast-food restaurants are a zillion-dollar industry. They're completely played out, but you have your fast food versions and your sort of higher end gourmet versions the same ingredients hamburger meat buns that's it the bottle of that sauce that you throw in there here's the problem but but the difference being hamburger completely played out the sloppy joe ripe ripe for exploitation and also delicious who who doesn't like a sloppy joe this is the who has problem. ever said uh, sloppy joe is still a special thing this, this is, of course, the problem, and that is, and we've talked about this on a recent podcast. It's hard to eat behind the wheel. That's what you're going to say. Of course. You can't. You, it's impossible to eat no, behind no, the wheel. No, no, no. It's hard to eat a, a Chipotle burrito behind the wheel, but I managed to do it, and then you wipe your face with the bag. Well, the is, bag is the napkin in my Sloppy Joe well, restaurant. Well, no, it could be. You would have to have a new style of bun. And if your new style of bun could sort of be like a bun bowl, you know how they serve soup and bread bowls, but it couldn't be that thick. It'd have to be a thin 
bun bowl that you put the sloppy joe in so that you could eat it without all the meat falling out of it. So maybe that's the million dollar idea. I mean, why does why does bread have to be limited to buns and slices? And we should have different shaped breads that can hold foods that make them easier to eat while while your hand is holding them. Well, that's that's the million dollar idea. I think I think my that by the time my sloppy Joe chain comes online, and I'm I'm already thinking now of calling it Slow Joe's. By that time, we'll have driverless cars. And you, you'll have both hands free to eat. Okay. Well, while you're working on that million-dollar idea, I, I think you should continue to write. I will, but that makes me think, and if I can just find it here, one of our listeners last week asked us, maybe by Twitter, if either of us had ever taken a driverless Uber. And this is not an Uber confession, but I replied no. And he had just had an Uber ride, in Las Vegas, and he said it was fantastic. How w- would you be reluctant? Like, if you ordered an Uber, you just landed at an airport or you're wherever, and you order an Uber. If if you were told that it was going to be a driverless Uber, would you take it? I would think I would prefer it. Huh. So how did they say it went? Well, I, I'm looking for it. I can't find a screenshot or whatever I did of it. But he said it. He, he said it was sort of herky jerky. There was a lot of hitting the gas and hitting the brake but that it was fascinating, it was fantastic, and he would do it again in a heartbeat. I may be adding that last line out of thin air, but, but he liked it. I got the, uh, the tweet from Greg. He says, there's still a person in the car with an emergency brake. There are numerous sensors all over the car. Honestly, the ride was very jerky and not too smooth. Felt like it was gas, then brake, over and over. But the experience was amazing. So... That's supposed to make you feel better that there's a person sitting there with an emergency brake? Presumably eating a sloppy joe. (laughs) Eating their sloppy joe. But um, ride jerky, uh, it felt like it was gas, then brake over and over. That's like being in a car with you. That's sort of how you you drive. So it's not Gas and brake. Is it that person's car, do you suppose? The Uber, not the Uber driver, but the Uber uh, sort of chaperone? Test car, right? It has to be a test car. Who has their own personal driverless car? Nobody. And would they use it to Uber? Yeah, no, it must be a, a, t- a test thing that's happening. I'm surprised that Vegas is one of the places where they're testing it. But um, but anyway, I, th- I would get in one. I, I, I would probably be more likely to get in one if it was uh, if it didn't have the person sitting there with ready to pull the handbrake. <laughs> if it was just me in the car, going you wherever. Have, that, that's just because you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't then feel obliged to t- t- to tip. Right. No, I mean, it would be a nice quiet, it would be the only guaranteed quiet Uber ride that I would experience. Would you ride in a driverless Uber? That sounds like a question out of Denny's old curiosity shop. It's not. But it should be. But it should be. And we do have some questions. It is time, I think, to open Denny's old curiosity shop. That's Denny with one N, shop with two P's and an E. Would you like to open the old curiosity shop? Yes, please. Let's go. When the meets Denny asks this week, he, he sends us a video of the Phoenix Suns coaching staff with a, just an atrocious sort of team handshake. They're all, it's a bunch of guys, middle-aged guys, missing each other's fist bumps on the bench, but while trying to, trying to get everybody a bump in the same way that 
when there's 20 people around the Thanksgiving table last week and they're all trying to clink glasses and they all feel obliged to clink, you know, the guy at this end of the table has to clink the glass of the right. lady at that end of the table. Right. Which is always a little silly, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if you got kids and they all want to clink the glasses, but... The whole clinking of the glasses, I think, is a little weird anyway. I mean, if somebody makes a toast, you know, raise your glass here, here, but the clinking the of the glasses, like, what's... I mean, I'm sure there's history there and it means something but uh there's never been anybody weird less less likely to clink than you yeah i'm 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 not opposed to clinking like i am to gift bags at kids birthday parties but i'm i see no use for the clink never mind the clink there's no chance you're doing the the clink and link where you hook arms and then clink with like the champagne glasses i wouldn't even do that do people actually do that as a joke i wouldn't even do that as a joke do people do that as anything other than a joke? I, I certainly hope not. But um, I'm sure we have some listener out there who has done the clink and link. The clink and the link. No, I think it would be the link and the clink. The link and clink. I know our friend Katie always called out the pinky link, right. where you'd see two <laughs> usually high school sweethearts with linked pinkies yes. walking, swinging arms. You're not a pinky linker. No, I nor, don't think anyone is a pinky linker now. Nor, I've never been nor, a pinky uh, linker, no. Nor a Lincoln clinker. <laughs> I am, I'm neither We're, a pinky we, linker or a Lincoln clinker. We haven't even opened Denny's Curiosity Shop yet, but my curiosity <laughs> has peaked. What would you be less likely to do? I mean, if you had, if you were forced at knife point to either Lincoln clink or pinky link and do it unironically in public in Central Park, which would be would you be more apt to do? I would be less appalled by the link and clink the whole the whole notion of two people with their pinkies intertwined as they walk so 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 absolutely absurd so if i had if i had to i could for 10 seconds link my arm around someone else's clink my champagne glass and then then you also yes it's the The link and clink and drink drink. link clink and drink it's sort of like punt pass and kick right right for the for the jet setting uh group yeah i mean it's all absurd so so you rank it link clink and drink pinky link and then i'm guessing third though it doesn't rhyme would be where you have the hands in each other's back pocket oh that's horrible that's the jack and diane i think is yeah 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 that would be pretty awful i don't that's that's one nice thing about kids these days only communicating through, through texts is that they don't pinky link and they don't put their hands in one another's pockets I don't think. What about what I mean, about? What's the last time you saw? I, mean, I guess we don't even go to a mall. But when's the last time you saw like high school kids, you know, with their hands in each other's pockets or or even holding hands? It's like a it's a foreign foreign thing these days. What about what about riding? You know, there's the guy driving the pickup truck, and then you're all the way over in the cab right next to him. I think it's okay. That's if, sort of that's sort of the 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 full body equivalent of the of the hands in the back right. pocket. I think it's okay if it's a golden retriever. <laughs> I think it's perfect if, if somebody's driving their giant pickup truck. If their dog is sitting right next to them, if there's if there's if they have one of their kids maybe sitting right next to them, yes. But if a guy is driving and his wife or girlfriend, she should be in her seat, buckled up for safety. Or 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 if the girlfriend is driving and or, the guy is right. all the way over there. Right. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> that that it would be better of, if the guy had his head out the window like the golden retriever, looking around. Right, right. And then, uh, and then they would get to their restaurant, and they'd both sit on the same side of the booth. Well, I don't think this is what Denny had in mind. I, I love that. Have I lo- we gotten to? No, the, we haven't. I, have I lo- we even I lo- opened the doors to the curiosity shop? I do love sitting on the same side of the booth. That's that's the uh, that's called the sitcom sitting sitcom. Could you seat us sitcom style where all four of us are on the same side of the booth facing an invisible camera? Actually, that would be pretty funny. You do sometimes at a restaurant see two people sitting on the same frequently. side. Frequently. But it would be pretty entertaining if it was four, three people, four people. If they're all, if they just got a bigger booth and they all sat on the same side. I think I, think I, I see would us. enjoy that. I see us in retirement. One, complaining about our, our maladies, our aches and pains. But two... Wearing matching sweatsuits, sitting on the same side of like a like a macaroni grill booth. I think you half see us in retirement because you'll have your monocle in, so you'll have that. Will we now? Will we be wearing track suits of the era, or will we be wearing no, no, track suits 1980s. that we've found from the basement that are from? No, even better than nineteen nineties. Velour be teal and Fubu. Velour Fubu. You can wear Fubu. I'm gonna wear one of my old school Reebok swishy suits that is teal and purple. Uh, why? Why wait till retirement? Let's get let's, let's get on that tomorrow. And, and we'll go somewhere that's that makes sloppy joes. And, uh, and well, we'll, our, we'll go our to our own. We'll go be... to our own our own sloppy joe empire. Right. Uh, and sit in whatever booth we play, we choose because we will be the the Ray and Joan Croc of the sloppy joe restaurant chain that's right okay can you get can you open the doors oh, oh denny denny shop, denny please? only asked uh if if either of us have ever had a secret handshake that was choreographed rehearsed and executed this poorly i have a secret handshake not a secret handshake but a an elaborate handshake with our eight-year-old daughter and it ends there's a series of fist bumps and and back and forth slaps but uh, it ends with a by her insistence it ends with a bro hug where we clasp hands and then sort of give each other a a, uh, an awkward pat on the back simultaneously. The only person I have ever had a handshake with that took re- rehearsing and, and practicing and had any any bit of an elaborate nature is also our eight-year-old. She She's into that. And, and I went to Disney World with her. And we talked about this in a podcast. I, I took her and our 10-year-old son um, this past June. And one of the ways we passed the time when we were waiting in, in long lines for rides was to do all the kind of hand games that you're, you know, fist bumping and slapping hands and there's rhymes that go to them and all that sort double, of Double, double this, this, yeah. double, double that, that, double this, double that, double, double this, that. Yeah. So it probably drove people around us nuts, but that's how we kind of killed the time. But yes, she is the only person on the planet who I have ever choreographed a handshake with denny also in the old curiosity shop sends a video of the comedian hassan minaj talking about the retail giant and bane of your parental shopping existence supreme now our our kids are not old enough to know what supreme is or care maybe our high schooler does but supreme is a um is a sort of streetwear phenomenon where they they put their red rectangular logo on everything from crowbars to shoes and clothes and hats make them in limited quantities extremely limited quantities creating scarcity a fever of demand and uh, and and then you know long lines at their retail outlets and and uh, resellers online selling a, a $29 crowbar for $150 
it's ludicrous, but it's kind of what retail, online retail is now. So your shoe manufacturers, there's only so many of these Nikes that, that we're going to sell because if everybody has them, there's no point in having them. You it's absurd. It's I, absurd. I know what you're saying. It's, it's absurd. I, I'll get emails from Nike because I've purchased Nikes online and, uh, you know, this shoe drops this day, this time, you know, limited quantity. And it's, you just want to tell them the eh, off. Right. I'm not, well, the I, I can get plenty of shoes. I can get plenty of Nikes that are just as comfortable. Like, I mean, I know some people really care about that stuff. I could not, I could not care couldn't, less. Couldn't care less. Could not care less. Neither could I. But I will say this, this is, Denny only sets this up as to set up his question. My question for you guys is a two-parter. What is the worst fashion fad that you've ever participated in? Hmm. I, I could, I mean, where to begin? I mean, we lived through the 80s and 90s. That that, that itself was a bad Absolutely. fad. Absolutely. I, I, mean, I, jorts, oh. I, I embraced jorts wholeheartedly. Uh, bib overalls. You never had, you wore bib overalls. Or Oshkosh Bagosh. You're, you're darn right. Did I, you, I, okay, this is the question. Did painter's you have both, pants, Did the you have both ones? bibs up on the bib overall? Or did I never, have, I never, I had both the, bibs up, absolutely. You didn't absolutely. have the it one wasn't, down. It wasn't the style to have one down at the time. We went through the whole uh, uh, baggy jersey phase. Oh, yeah, we did that. We, we And then the 90s where everyone who wore sweaters, they were three sizes too big. And then your pleated pants were five sizes too baggy. Um, do you remember? I don't know if you we're, ever we're, did this. We don't know it, but we're going through a, a horrible fashion phase right now. We don't know what it is. Oh, but whatever it is that we're wearing, tight jeans that we'll look asinine 10 years um, from now. I remember going to college and, and, and even in high school, my latter years in high school, where people were pegging their jeans, where the bottom of them you pulled over to make them tight and then rolled them up once or twice uh there was the jordash phase um fortunately for me i was so tall that they never fit me but those super tight um jeans and then parachute pants did you ever partake in the parachute pants i I did not the fad you know with all the zippers they were also called the michael jackson pants um college was the era of z cavarici which was the pleated pants it was a brand of pants Z Cavarici and the and that name brand was on the fly going down and uh and they were pleated pants that were super puffy up top and then of course the worst fat of all was was high school years I will post this picture on uh at ball and chain podcast on Instagram but it was the giant hair where you would wake up in the morning and you would spend countless amount of time blow drying curling and spraying with 99 cent per can aquanet hairspray that was just destroying the ozone you went through like a can a week just to set your hair exactly how you wanted it i mean i'm sure my hair was set i'm sure my hair was set by aquanet hairspray for school pictures and whatnot did you feather your hair like i did nothing to my hair my hair was uh do you remember tv's ted koppel on abc's nightline of course that was my head of hair so, like, it started growing three inches about above your eyebrow I had, and just I had went to the side. An anchorman helmet of hair, yeah. <laughs> it was completely unmanageable. We were both um, pretty darn attractive in our day. <laughs> and the other part of Denny's curiosity about the uh, that whole Supreme thing is J.R. Smith, the basketball player, had their logo tattooed on his calf. And Denny in the NBA said you can't have a commercial entity tattoo. You have to cover it up. But Denny wanted to know uh, if either of us got a logo or a brand name tattooed to a body part, what would it be? I, I instantly knew what mine would be. 
I don't have a tattoo. You don't have a tattoo. But if I got a tattoo, it would be a corporate logo of two defunct entities, either or possibly both, the Red Owl Owl from the Red Owl grocery chain and or Hardware Hank from the Hardware Hank hardware store chain, both Twin Cities colossi of my youth. Where would the Red Owl and where would Hardware Hank reside permanently on your glorious physique? On my person? Yes. I haven't given it that much thought, but I, I certainly wouldn't befoul or desecrate either the owl or Hank, if that's what you're thinking. I just, I'm just having an, an, no idea where you would have placed those things. There was a. This wh- isn't entirely hypothetical. What's that? This isn't entirely hypothetical. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Okay, well, because I'm a thoughtful gift giver, I'll give you a, a, a gift certificate to a highly recommended tattoo parlor for Christmas. There was a player when I was in college. I played on some USA basketball teams with her, and uh, she had a Nike tattoo somewhere on her. I think it was on her arm or her leg, but it was a homemade one. So she had done it herself or had some somebody, a friend in the neighborhood do it just with ink and a needle and string, I guess. And um, it was horrible. And so if you're ever going to get a tattoo, I would just suggest that you not do it yourself. You not do it in a friend's basement, but instead actually go to the tattoo parlor and get something that looks like the Red Owl or Hardware Hank or what does Hardware Hank look like? What does the logo look like? He sort of had a, a had like a almost like a forest ranger's hat, weirdly because he has nothing to do with forest forestry, and uh, just a sort of a, a, a solid Middle American hardware slinging. Henry. How how many times a year do you think you go to the hardware store if it's not just to buy light bulbs? How often do I? Yeah. I mean, I, I sometimes I go in just to just to inhale the smell of cut lumber. <laughs> Our local hardware store doesn't sell lumber. So, you would be willing to get a, a tattoo of a hard of hardware Hank where you probably at the most go to the hardware store once a month. I'd go to the hardware store much more often if I had a tattoo of Hardware Hank. The problem is nobody around here would know who Hardware Hank was. He would just be some square-jawed guy with a, with what kind of a hat? With a, um, sort with of a, a forest, forest ranger's hat. Forest ranger's It'd be hat. like if you got a tattoo of, of Bob, of Bob's furniture? furniture. I mean, you know, some regional icon. If I got a, a, a tattoo of Bob's from Bob's Discount Furniture, I've purchased furniture at Bob's Discount Furniture, Bob seems like a nice guy. I believe is a Yukon grad. But if I got his tattoo anywhere on me, you would need to immediately put me in my Reebok tracksuit and take me somewhere to get some some serious help. I think you could just spend the rest of your days reclining in your Bobopedic mattress. <laughs> That's very true. A last question on the Denny, Denny's Old Curiosity Shop. This past week, there was the uh, Copa Libertadores final between Boca Juniors and River Plate, the two big uh, Yankee-Red Sox rivalry in Buenos Aires. And it was the first time they met in this final, and it was an insane scene. Uh, the the Boca Juniors bus was coming to the stadium, and the River Plate fans pelted it with, with rocks and garbage. And um, the glass was broken. Boca players were injured. Uh, the, the the match was postponed after much controversy. And Denny's question 
is what's the most dangerous or intense sporting environment you've ever been in? I can say almost instantly off the top of my head, Saint-Étienne, France, the 1998 World Cup, England versus Argentina going on at the stadium a mile away. I was in the center of town in a bar with a bunch of England fans. And uh, it was David Beckham was was uh, thrown out of that game. Um, England England lost, and um, it was a menacing feel in the town square. There, the people working at the McDonald's across the way had locked themselves in. The kids, as rioting began in the streets outside there afterwards, and a photographer and I uh, were sort of in the middle of that, both you know reporting stuff, but also kind of you know, trying not to get not to get pummeled, and we succeeded in not getting pummeled. But but everybody else wasn't so lucky. What about you? I don't think I've ever been in a in an environment, sporting environment, where I felt threatened in any way, because I've not been to any international football games. Um, yeah, I, I mean, basketball people are 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 pretty good. Even when I was covering the brawl in Detroit, when L.A. and Detroit. Uh, players went after one another that was completely contained to the court none of the fans were acting up um i I have a feeling that at some point in the next six or seven years the most threatening environment i will find myself in will be at a youth sporting event somewhere where a parent is getting thrown out of a game or uh or somebody's getting upset but it has never happened on the professional or collegiate level for me all right well you're freezing it's late. You're yawning. I'm sure our listeners are doing the same. Our basement is is chilly, you know, year round. But at night, in particular, it's cold down here. I am. I'm wrapped up in a uh, in a big old quilt. Well, well, let's let's get you let's get you let's get me unwrapped unwrapped and, uh, and let's let's get to viewer mail. Let's get you warmed by the 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 firelight glow of viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes from Brian. Brian writes Lobotions, one word. I think he's referring to last week. We talked about me dropping a ham and cheese, hot ham and cheese sandwich, open-faced onto the street, 49th Street in Manhattan, and then picking it up and eating it. And you asked, is there any food that I wouldn't eat off the street? And can we just revisit how disgusting that is again? But, okay, go ahead. I suffered no ill ill effects from it, I, I should say, a week later. It's still disgusting. I think I'm out of the woods. The question, Brian writes, should not be what food wouldn't Steve eat off the ground, but where wouldn't he eat off the ground? Trust me, I might have picked up an edible or two before the count of five, but never have I eaten out of a puddle on the streets of Manhattan. I didn't eat out of a puddle. No. Well, let's the, not be ridiculous. The puddle was in... Milwaukee that you ate oh, I did, out of. Oh, I did eat chimichangas out of a out puddle of a in puddle, Milwaukee. Yes. That's true. So, but so, I wouldn't eat out of a so puddle. You, I wouldn't eat out of a puddle in Manhattan. You wouldn't? Cause, no, but I eat out of a puddle in Milwaukee. Because their puddles are dirtier than Milwaukee's? I, I think so. Okay. So, Brian writes, is there a line? A subway car? McSorley's restroom. Please tell me there is a line. McSorley's restroom, absolutely, I would draw the line. I wouldn't eat anything off the floor of McSorley's restroom, as we've said before. Quoting, I think it was Dennis Leary, I wouldn't pick a $100 bill off the restroom floor. What is McSorley's? Is it a... McSorley's is the oldest bar in New York, a classic okay. joint. And and trust me, I've been there. Its restrooms are not... You couldn't eat off the floor. 
nor would you want to. By the way, Brian writes, Brian wrote last week about the rat burgers at White Castle, and you asked if that was actually the name of an official burger there. By the way, Steve is correct. Rat burgers are just what we refer to them. Similarly, you could get rats with cheese or on Fridays in Lent, scuba rats, fish. I didn't know uh, White Castle sells fish burgers. <laughs> that's that's hideous. All right, along those same lines, I had somebody on Twitter uh, responding to you eating something off of the uh, off of the ground on 49th Street. They said, "Disease is rampant. The mayor lets people do whatever they want in public. The streets are human bathrooms. Nasty." My favorite part is the mayor lets people do whatever they want in public. So if this person had had <laughs> his or her way, I would have been arrested. At the very least. Well, no, he's saying that the, the streets are disgusting because the mayor lets people oh, do whatever they I want. See. So the mayor is supposed to not allow people to spit, or is it the mayor's fault that some drunks at 2 a.m. are peeing on the street? Like, I just, I love the political thrown in here. Disease is rampant. The mayor lets people do whatever they want in public. Well, I, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that after hundreds of years of human evolution, thousands, millions, you can't eat off the street in Manhattan. I've done it. I'm here to tell you that I did it, and it was delicious. It was disgusting. Well, the, actually, yesterday I was in Starbucks with our eight-year-old, and she purchased, or I should say I purchased for her, a uh, cake pop. And for people who haven't seen those at Starbucks, they're little round. What are they? They're not even the size of a golf ball, are uh, they? They're the size of a Tootsie Pop lollipop yeah but and it, but it's like cake and it's on a stick like a lollipop stick golf ball size golf ball size so anyway at one point she tapped me on the shoulder because half she had bit in her cake pop and the other half fell on the ground and on starbucks and i just picked it up and i looked at it and it didn't look disgusting but there was no way i was gonna let her eat it so i said i'm sorry she said that's half of my cake pop i said well yeah next time don't let it land on the ground and i Walked over and threw it away. So my question to you is, if our daughter was eating a cake pop, if, if, if that same exact scenario happened under your watch, would you have thrown it, thrown no, it away? Uh, would you, or would you have rolled the dice with her I would digestive I would not health? have rolled the dice with her, and I would have set a good example. I would have said, this is, this is a, a, a well-trod public venue. We can't eat this off the floor. I'm sorry. Then I would have turned my back to her and eaten the other half of the cake pop. <laughs> you probably would I have. would have. Uh, Josh in Wyoming, our friend Josh in Wyoming writes, I'm getting ca- caught up on podcasts. I'm listening to the one where you're telling the story about Steve eating three bags of Whoppers. I believe I did this after right Halloween. Right after Halloween, yeah. Several weeks ago when I saw that on Twitter, I thought you meant that he was eating Burger King Whoppers. <laughs> three bags of Burger King Whoppers. My first thought was, wow, the big fella can really put away the groceries. Thanks for clarifying. The big fella, I, the big fella with his Hank handy Hank tattoo. Hardware Hank, handy uh, Hank, hardware Hank hardware. tattoo, peeking out of his jorts. <laughs> Can really put away the groceries. Well, well, you know what? I did introduce our oldest daughter to the Whopper Junior, my favorite fast food, uh, until oh. the until the advent of the Sloppy Joe uh, burger, and uh, she loved it. She loved it, and we went out of our way to go to a Burger King. Uh, over the weekend. So you won't go out of your way to to go to a Panera and get her a salad because that, that is one of her favorite things and when we're sort of forced to have food out you know, for whatever reason, she she likes the salads at Panera. So you, you won't go out of your way for that but you're proud that you introduced her to the 
was it Whopper Jr.? Yes, driving back from Cape Cod on uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we stopped it. We were both very hungry. We stopped at a Burger King somewhere off of 495 in Massachusetts, and we got to the speaker, the drive-thru, and we said, I was what two Whopper Jr. with cheese meals. And the lady said, I'm sorry, honey. It's 10.30, and we don't start serving that until 11. We have breakfast sandwiches. And as she was saying, we have breakfast sandwiches. Now, my, my tires were squealing, and we were taking off. And then uh, she, our daughter programmed into Waze 30 minutes down the road on the Mass Pike in Worcester. There's a Burger King. We arrived there at 11.02. And, and we got, you got, we got your Whopper Brand Juniors. new Whopper Junior, which so is this fresh was, off the— this was on Saturday. When you drove to Cape Cod on Wednesday, did you also go to a Burger King drive-thru? Yes. Did you have Whopper Juniors that day? We did. No, no, that's a good hand food. We've talked about this before, but it's a good hand food for driving. The Whopper is too big in circumference to, to okay. contain Perhaps fully while you're behind the food, wheel. Perhaps it's a good hand food, but it's not a good body food. It's not a good food to consume, to teach our 13-year-old daughter to consume, to fuel her ever-growing. And I've taught her what what little wisdom I've accrued over my my decades, which is... Any food that you eat while driving or riding in a car, just like any food that you consume in a stadium or arena, has no ill effects on your body. That same food eaten at home, terrible for you. But when you're in a car, it's fine. When you're in a car, a press box or a stadium or arena, your body is impervious to its uh, Again, this is, this, is where, effect. this is where we diverge in our parenting because I had the other three kids in a car with me because I had to leave a little later in the day. And um, we stopped and got out of the car and ate food that you could and sat down to eat it instead of just consuming whatever we could get at a drive-thru. But Well, speaking of eating garbage, Rachel from Idaho, Idaho is getting better, she reports, writes, Steve and Rebecca, while helping my dad with some home improvement projects over the weekend, I found this lovely trash grabber. Our oldest daughter expressed an interest in getting yeah. one of those spikes that you can stab trash with, and then you have to you have to kind of rip it off the, the so skewer Rachel like a, like a, a kebab. She found a trash grabber. Did found she a trash a grabber. She sent a picture. I don't know why it, why he has it, but here it is. Sounds like a great stocking stuffer for your daughter. I love it. It's one of those things you squeeze the handle and it, and it, and it pincers the trash. But what she really expressed an interest in is the trash stabber, not the trash grabber, not the pinky linker, or the clink and linker. But the trash stabber versus the trash grabber. Uh, yeah, but this is where you have to teach her that the trash grabber is much better than the trash stabber. Although next time you go to New York, you could bring either of those things for when you drop your sandwich. You can use that to pick it up. And you could even use that as kind of a fork It's like well, you know what? it back it, it, to you. And if our daughter ever loses a uh, cake pop again onto the ground at Starbucks, I could get a, a out of my golf bag a telescopic ball retriever. Yeah, and, right. and scoop that off the floor before five seconds has elapsed. George, my monocle dealer in Columbus. George writes, Steve and Rebecca, every year during the Thanksgiving weekend, I hang out to our Christmas lights on the trees and shrubs in our front yard. This involves the use of a 10-foot retractable pole, speaking of telescopic ball retrievers, an extension ladder, multiple timers and extension cords, dozens of strands of light that may or may not light up, or partially light up, and electricity. It's a frustrating and time-consuming process. This year, I listened to several of your previous podcasts while doing the lights, and it occurred to me that Steve is probably smart enough to avoid Christmas decorating altogether. George, you're a wise and insightful man. 
Could you give the listeners some insight into how Christmas decorations are handled at the Russian house? Thanks and happy holidays, George and Columbus. George? I'll have, to, I'll have to find the picture. I posted it on Twitter a couple of years ago, uh, but I should repost it on our Ball and Chain Twitter handle, which is at Ball and Chain Pod. And it's of the, the horrible Charlie Brown Christmas tree that we got one year. And uh, that was a rescue tree. No, it wasn't. It was a beautiful tree when it was brought home, um, but it was wet. We went to a place, we cut down the tree, brought it home, it was wet, and I don't remember why you didn't bring it into the house, um, but it was left, was it left outside? It wouldn't have been in our garage. Yes, Whatever. how could I have left a tree outside? Right. A tree. Well, it could, Where was this tree living? It could have been put in our garage. Anyway, it was, it was because it was wrapped up, you left it outside so that not only was it wet, but it was then frozen, and you decided to bring it inside while it was still frozen and so as it you're bringing it through the front door and branches are hitting here and there of course those frozen branches a bunch of them broke off so we ended up with this tree that was it ends up being one of my favorite trees of all time but it was hideous you know as far as pretty trees go and Did you just and, use the phrase one of my favorite trees of all time yeah Christmas we, trees. we should get we should get your list of, of favorite trees all of all time ranked well so outside of our house we have um two arborvitaes on each one on each side of the front door and i don't know how many years ago it was we put tree lights on you know christmas lights on each of those trees well i left it the when when christmas is over i take down all the all the decorations inside i put all of the ornaments away we should say i i love multicolored lights like it's the Times Square or the Vegas Strip, you like, like white sort of tasteful white lights. Yeah, but, but on the trees outside on the Arborvitaes were tasteful small white lights. Anyway, I left that job to you to take those lights down. Well, you did it, and you didn't the following year and the following year, and now it's impossible to take them down because the tree has grown around. <laughs> Both trees have grown around those lights. The Arborvitaes grow they at an still- insane annual yes. right i mean they're they're as tall as the house or taller which, which is, and, and the girth is is magnificent which is why you take the christmas lights off at the end of the christmas it's like season. it's like if you had a a, a a necklace on your baby and now that baby is 340 pound 45 year old man the necklace hasn't grown but the tree has the lights right have been have been sucked the, into the, the interior the of the tree should have been removed from the tree at some point I don't know how, but those lights when we plug them in around Christmas time still light up. But we are in, we're in dire straits when they stop lighting up because we'll never, we can't get those lights off of the tree, and uh, well, I guess we'll just pile dire new ones straits. on those, top of Those it. lights cost a nickel per string. I mean, I'm I don't just think it's saying great that long. in terms of they're going to be strangling those poor trees. Uh, Hari from Tom Dick and Hari, our, our friend uh, Harald, uh, writes. First of all, we should say he's a fifth year. In his fifth year of coaching girls' club volleyball, and would be happy to be our resident volleyball rules expert since we're struggling with some oh, of the volleyball perfect. rules. Oh, perfect. I would love to get some more We'll, we'll uh, consult rules. with him on that later. But he, he writes, Steve, you took it pretty easy on Rebecca's reference to getting your boiler repaired. Is that an East Coast thing, referring to a hot water heater as a boiler? We have a boiler in our 100-plus-year-old house in Minnesota to provide heat to our home. It sits next to our water heater. I expected a bigger rant about this from Steve. So the boiler is not a, it's not a water heater. The water heater is separate from the boiler. We have the same thing. We have a water heater and we have a boiler. I don't know what the and, boiler is. And I know where both of them are located. But you what is the, the boiler? Ta- you what the is the ta- boiler? Where is the boiler? What is the boiler? I don't know where it is. The but boiler I don't know what is, it is what is what heats our home. That gets that sends the heat into the. But that, that that's not what you said the first time. 
I know, because I was a little bit confused. But I do know where the boiler is, and, and it's separate. Actually, our our water heater is not um, is not next to the boiler. Does, it's kind of quite quite a bit. Does away it need from servicing? And if so, is Mike Golick available to <laughs> fix our boiler? Yes, the boiler does. It doesn't need servicing, but um, right now, but it does get serviced. We well, had our boiler serviced. That was the guy that came that day. He was servicing our boiler. I think this email came a week ago because uh, Hari writes that Hari of Tom Dick and Hari and Tom of Tom Dick and Hari. And their respective wives are vacationing in Mexico this weekend. We'll try to share a photo or two if we get to jam with the local band that we have befriended over our years of visiting, and I'm mispronouncing this, Bucerias, a small town near Puerto Vallarta. Tom, Dick, and Harry played a gig. They played played their first international gig in this town a couple of years ago. Oh, I I hope they got their second international gig. And and their, their annual Christmas show, I should say. Tom, Dick, and Harry's annual Christmas show is Friday, December 21st at the Driftwood Char Bar. Harry says, please plug. Where is the Driftwood Char Bar? Is that in, in Minneapolis area, right? I, I, I wish I could tell you, but I, I think if... But if, give it one more plug in case people out there uh, are listening in the The TDH annual Christmas show is Friday, 1221 at the Driftwood Char Bar. Got it? Got it. By the way, Hari sends a photograph of a selfie he took in Brooklyn, in a Target in Brooklyn, while he was dropping off his daughter at college. He was entertained by the shopping cart escalator on the multi-story Target in Brooklyn. I've been to that Target. I think that's the one by the Barclays Center. I've never been to a Target in Brooklyn. So there. That's, that's so sad. <laughs> you've never been to Target in Brooklyn. Uh, hi, this is your staff M&A, Mergers and Acquisitions Project Manager. Remember, our, we have a staff Mergers and Acquisition Project Manager in New Hampshire? Yes. She writes uh, many things about New Hampshire related to trick-or-treating, and they, they trick-or-treat evidently on a different day. They call it Beggar's Night, and there's a whole Wikipedia page devoted to it. But this is, this is long ago, Halloween, so I'm going to get to part two here. People in our area of New Hampshire love parades, she writes, particularly nighttime parades in Portsmouth, a city with enough seats in bars and restaurants that all citizens can dine at the same time. Do you know that about Portsmouth, New Hampshire? I did not. Every citizen of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, according to Charity, a resident M&A manager, can dine at the same time. Imagine if they had Sloppy Joe restaurants. There'd be, there'd be surplus seats. Anyway, that's not why she writes. If you ever want to see a fabulous parade, check out the Portsmouth Christmas Parade also at night. Portsmouth sounds like bustling, the city that never place. sleeps. Yeah. I've been there. There was a huge traffic roundabout there that I remember getting stuck in for, for like an hour. The highlight is the working hot tub with people in swimsuits. It's held the first Saturday in December. This is a parade. This is a parade with a working hot tub, I assume on a float, with people, in, thank God, in swimsuits. Do any of them have... Handyman Hank tattoos. Handyman Hank? <laughs> what is this? Hardware Hank. It's not Handy Manny. It's Hardware Hank. Hardware Hank tattoos or the I, red You know what I would tattoos? my my ambition now is to be you and I in the no. moving hot tub in the Portsmouth parade. Pinky linking or clinking linking. Clink linking, clinking and drinking. Just for the for the entire duration of that parade. Can I wear my swishy suit? In the uh, hot tub. Your swishy suit? Absolutely. Yes. Our, our, our matching track suits? Yes. You can wear your swishy suit. Okay. Uh, P.S. write Charity and Rich. Charity and Rich, our favorite country band, as you know. P.S. write Charity and Rich. We never received any swag and are officially swagless. Well, I've sent them swag today. And, and all the other swag that I had promised in an earlier podcast went out today. It required a 71-cent stamp. 
because the mail, they, the post office deemed the mail was not bendable. So now that you, the the postage rate is uh, determined upon if it's bendable. Apparently, also uh, uh, Joan sent you a picture. We, we could post this possibly of a uh, whatchamacallit's, your favorite candy bar, your obscure favorite candy bar, mm-hmm. on sale at Rite Aid. I don't know in what town or what state. Uh, they were uh, marked down to 69 cents from $1.19. So you can get bargain whatchamacallit's at Rite Aid in the town that Joan lives in. I'm not sure what that is. It might be worth I, Those aren't bendable either, so it wouldn't be worth purchasing and mailing them, but um, but maybe we can find a Rite Aid around here where they're for sale. Maybe maybe we could we could link Clink and link to that uh, to Perhaps. that right aid. Finally, we have a lovely email from our occasional correspondent, the Dorky Diva, military band member extraordinaire, who tells us stories of her military band uh, travels and travails. This is a lovely letter. She writes, "I haven't been to Paradise, California, in more than twenty years. Paradise, Paradise Elks Lodge number two hundred two six is foremost in my brain. Paradise, of course, is the town that." was consumed by fire in the California wildfires. Paradise Elks Lodge 2026, they'd open their lodge to the public and we'd play there at least annually with a large ensemble. In the case of other military bands that didn't budget for food or lodging, the town opened their homes and dining tables and pantries to us. Sometimes I was there with smaller groups playing outdoors for festivals. I finally recall going with my pianist supervisor to sing at nursing homes in Paradise. I recall a resident giving me a hard time for not knowing all the lyrics. Sometimes uh, I've been drawn to my elders since childhood. They have such fascinating stories. I'd visit the nursing home where I'd eventually get my first job in the kitchen. Cleaning poached egg holders was the worst. Haven't ever eaten one. My mom had a poached egg holder. I don't like poached eggs. I recall the familiar faces from Lodge 2026. Somewhere I have a purple Paradise Lodge pin with a pair of purple dice. Somewhere I have a green bumper sticker saying, Follow me to Paradise. I don't know the status of their missing. It seems they're gathering at Chico Elks Lodge 423 and connecting on Facebook 2026. And connecting on Facebook 2026 may be gone, but their spirit isn't. The two ways to paradise were both stunning scenery. This is straight north of Sacramento. You felt like you were going to paradise. I'm hoping the residents of paradise will draw comfort from each other this Thanksgiving, be it at the Walmart parking lot or at Lodge 423. Thanks 2026 and the town of paradise for the fond memories. Signed the Dorky Diva. That was a lovely email. It's a lovely email, for sure. And on that lovely note, you need to get to bed. You're tired and freezing. And, and a little uh, crabby. Well, I was crabby before crabby. the podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm less crabby now. So, yeah. So, Tom, Dick, and Hari. But, but perhaps I should pour you a nightcap. We can, we can clink and link and drink to Tom, Dick, and Hari as they play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. 
day by day, just keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.